So John chapter 10 is where we are this morning, um, and i uh, excited to get to, to talk about this with you guys today. Um, before we get to the, the message, let's, uh, let's pray again. Father, I pray that you would guide us this morning, guide our minds as we seek to hear from you this morning. You have persevered your word for thousands of years to minister to us. In this time, in this place, Father, I pray that they would, um, your words would have life and they would explode in our hearts and we would see the beauty of who you are. God, free us from distraction and uh, guide us as we seek to hear from you this morning. In Christ's perfect name, amen. Uh, So we've said many times throughout the course of this series that the purpose of the Gospel of John is that the readers might believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that by believing, they might have life in his name. That's taken out of John chapter 20. And the, the whole point of, of this book, as we've, we've done it, is, is for us to think through this idea of what it means to believe. And uh, at least the, the times that, that I've had deeply studying this, this word believe just kind of jumps off the page at me. And I've, I think almost every time that I've preached through this series, um, I have mentioned this word in in a in a really profound way and 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 spoken directly of of the definition of the word Uh, this word believe the greek word appears 218 times in scripture and 85 of those times in the gospel of john and uh we've said the this greek word believe is the greek word pistuio and it means the conviction and trust to which a man is impelled by a certain inner and higher prerogative and law of soul to trust Jesus or God. And so the, the word, the, the idea about this definition that, that keeps rattling in my head is, is this word impelled. And that like it is a law of our soul that impels us to go and to do. And I looked up the word impelled. wanted to, to do a little bit of stronger defining of that word this week and found that the antonym of impelled is restrained. So the opposite of believe is to have your the law of your soul restrained so you don't go and do. So instead of being impelled, the law of your soul going in and impelling you to do something, the opposite of belief that Jesus is continually talking about throughout the course of the Gospel of John is to restrain. Here's something else I found interesting this week. The, the noun version of pistueo, the noun version of believe, pistueo, the one in John, 85 times in John, is a verb to actively go and do, believe. The, the root of that is a noun called pistis, and it's translated mostly in every other scripture, every other context, as, as faith. So this idea to believe is the noun version of, of trust. And here's the cool thing that I found this week is that it appears some 287 times, this Greek word pistis, for the noun for faith. Do you know how many times it shows up in the Gospel of John? Take a guess. 85? No. Somebody just said it over here. None. Doesn't appear once in the Gospel of John. Yeah, that's in your, in your, uh, your bulletin. Well done. Which is the way it is with school always, right? If you just look hard enough and know where to look, you're going to find the answer. But it, the, the thing, it, 
Okay, the Gospel of John is all about believing, that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. It's all about believing in a verb sense. But the root of that, the noun version of that word, never appears in John. And isn't that interesting? To think that it appears 85 times as a verb and never as a noun. I think John and Jesus are trying to get us to, to do something with that belief. And the, the point, the purpose of the Gospel of John is so that we might believe, actively believe, be impelled, be not restrained by the law of our soul to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one of God come to restore us. And I want to, I think a lot of times we, we pass over the word Christ or Messiah and don't really understand, but this word Christ, Messiah, to really believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, is to believe that he has come from God, by God, sent by God, as God, to be in this world, to give us purpose and hope and love and peace, and to bring us those things. Before sin entered into our particular worlds and in the global world, there was this thing called shalom, this ultimate peace. We had perfect, pure relationship with God and perfect, pure relationship with each other. Sin comes and damages that. The Messiah has come to restore that. So when we believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that means we are actively moving towards the one who has come to restore the peace and the hope and the joy and the love that's within us, that's supposed to be within us, that God intends for us to live in. So, so back that up a second and, and come out to 40,000 feet and, and look at what that looks like. Like so many times, and especially in, in my world in the last six weeks, it's been like just focused on one particular thing that may or may not be going correctly or the way that I want it to go. And so peace doesn't reign there. Hope doesn't reign there. Mercy doesn't reign there. And I, I walk alongside with you guys and, and the, the stuff that you're walking through and peace and hope and love and there's no purpose there. Like what are we doing? What am I doing? These are questions that we ask each other all the time. But to believe that Jesus is the Christ is to inject hope and mercy and love and peace into those what am I doing here moments and moment, what am I doing here situations. And Jesus has come so that we might believe that he is the Christ, the Messiah, coming to inject peace into everything in our lives. And it's massive for us. We've got to see it. We've got to understand it. And that's why I'm so glad that the Gospel of John has met us in this season of our lives because it's injecting that sort of the purpose of seeing Jesus the way we're seeing him is so that we might have an impelled law of soul in us that causes us to go and do and believe and have grace and hope and peace and mercy and love minister to us. And then we might have life and have it abundantly. Exciting. So let's get to, let's get to the, the heart of, of our passage here. We're going to spend just a little bit of time commenting on the passages and then draw four implications from what, what we've read and what we've seen here. But ultimately, the short version of this story is that Jesus says that he's the Christ, the Son of God, and these leaders that he encounters don't believe him. The short version of the story is Jesus says that he's the Christ and the leaders don't believe him. 
So let's get into the heart of the story. John chapter 10, verse 22. At the time of the Feast of Dedication, at the time the Feast of Dedication took place in Jerusalem, it was winter. Let's insert here parenthetically, history lesson that I learned this week. The Feast of Dedication is something that was enacted originally during the intertestamental period, which means it happened after the Old Testament was written, so it hasn't been written about. Most of the other feasts in Scripture are written about in the Old Testament because it happened during the Old Testament. This Feast of Dedication happened in the intertestamental period. So before the stuff that happened in the New Testament happened, but after the stuff in the Old Testament happened, the Feast of Dedication gets entered, okay? And what it is, it is celebrating uh, a fight that happened, the, Israel's triumph in a, in, a, in a fight that happened, and it became, does anybody know? Hanukkah. It becomes Hanukkah. Yeah. The Feast of Dedications becomes Hanukkah right around our Christmas time. So this is what's happening here. It's Hanukkah time. It's Christmas time here in Jerusalem, all right? Feast of Dedication took place in Jerusalem, and it is winter. So imagine... It's a celebrating time. And Jesus is walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. It's a religious holiday. It's a feast celebrating God. And there's no better place to do that than at the temple. And Jesus is there. And so the Jews gathered around him. And I, I want to, like, sometimes we, we see the Jews gathered around him. What, what's happening here is, like... Um, wanted to, to show this clip this week, but I, I couldn't find it specifically, so I'm just going to tell you the story. You guys, you know, Karate Kid, you've seen it? Um, Matthew is, uh, is, is, is uh, riding his bike, and all the guys that are trying to get him, like, he's just riding by himself in the dark, and all of a sudden there's like six guys riding the bike around him and kind of force him down the hill. Daniel, I said Matthew, but my wife is whispering, Daniel, Daniel. Yes, it's Daniel. Daniel's son, not Matthew. What I... um, so Daniel is riding his bike, and, and these, these dudes that don't want to hurt him from the other dojo get around him and, and like force him down the hill, and he gets hurt, right? That's the, that's the picture of what's happening here. Jesus walking along the colony, minding his own business, and all of a sudden, there's these religious leaders who intend to do him harm that have just suddenly appeared and are gathered around him. So get that picture in your mind. Um, Jesus is, is Danielson. <laughs> Verse 24. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, will you tell us plainly? Jesus answered them, and, and I think Jesus answered them after he rolled his eyes, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. He's said these things over and over again. They've, they've asked him this question before, and he's answered them the same way he's about to answer them. But you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. I want to stop for just a second. I'm gonna, we're going to talk about some theology here, uh, reformed theology, and I want to be careful because I think we can get bogged down in specific details of, of theology Calvinism, Reformed theology, Armenianism, and all those things, we get bogged down in specific verses. But ultimately, a lot of times people come to this particular text and rip it out of its context to speak about a theology. But the, the depth of, of what's happening here is more than just ripping out a couple of verses to prove your point. However, I do believe that this is teaching very specifically, verse 26, but you do not believe 
because you are not part of my flock. In other words, Jesus has not called these people. Jesus has not had his grace attack these people. And as such, they don't believe. They are outside of the gospel. They are outside of Jesus. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. In other words, you're he- I've told you the same thing over and over and over again, and yet you don't believe. But if you were my sheep, you would believe. You would know. You would understand. And if you were my sheep, no one would be able to snatch you out of my hand. There's a doctrine called perseverance of the saints. This is a, a like theology class definition. Perseverance of the saints, which means that to persevere... The saints, like those who are in Christ, those who have been saved by Christ, will continue to be in the hand. They will persevere no matter what's happening in their worlds, all right? That's a doctrine, perseverance of the saints, and this is profound here saying this for us. Look at, look at verse uh, 29. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hands. Christ, God, is holding you tightly. We'll talk about that more in a second. I and the Father are one. So he goes into this theology lesson, and then he he ends it with this very simple phrase, I and the Father are one. And that's what makes the Jews really mad. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him, and then Jesus answered, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? He talked the many good works, he's healed the, the man born blind, he healed the crippled man at, at the pool of Siloam, and he fed the 5,000, and he, he did lots of things, uh, turned the water into wine that we've already read, all these things that we've read about. I've done all these good works. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, it's not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. This is really interesting, because that's exactly the opposite of what's, what's true about Jesus. He's not a man who's been made God. He's God who's been made man. And this is the, the, many times we come at Jesus and understand and see him for the exact opposite of who he is. He is not man made God. He is God made man. And the result of that disconnect is being outside of Christ. Verse 34, Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, Scripture cannot be broken. Do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God? Verse 34 and 35 are referencing a psalm, Psalm 82, and it's talking about judgments, judges in the world that are called gods, little g gods, by God in the Psalms. In other words, God has placed them in positions of authority to judge people in in their world. So a, a judge that happened in the Old Testament time was called a little g God by Psalm 82. And Jesus is here. He understands that these people are trying to kill him, but he also understands that it's not time yet. And so Jesus is going to play a little mental game with these guys to get them off course so that he gets to be in charge of when he dies and when he doesn't die. All right? Let's go back to our story because it, it confused me. Is why would they be called gods? Verse 35. 
If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, Scripture cannot be broken. Do you say of him who the Father consecrated and Satan of the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God. Verse 37, new stuff. If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. In other words, let my action speak for who I am. Let that just sit in your mind about who Christ is. Let his actions be who he is. Verse 38, but if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. One of, one of the prayers that I've, I've had this week for us is that we would see the work of God active in our lives. I've said it several times already this morning that we, we just get so consumed in the, the hard or the difficulty or the questioning or the wondering in our lives that we miss the work that God is doing. And for these religious leaders, what they've done, they've misseen who God is. They've misseen who Christ is. And as a result, they, they've lost the peace and the hope and the mercy that God intends to, to invest and inject into their lives. And I, my, my prayer is that we would see the work and the hand of God active in our lives. And the result would be that we would believe Impelled law of soul, believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Verse 39. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped their hands. Jesus is completely in control of when he's going to lay his life down and when he's not going to lay his life down. Verse 40. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first and there he remained. And many came to him, and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there. Let's draw a few implications, four implications out of the story in, uh, for us to, to see here. First is those who do not believe are left outside. Those who do not believe are left outside. Those religious leaders who saw him as man who tried to make himself God instead of God who tried to make himself or who did make himself man, they did not see him and are left outside of the fold. I want to look at this from a, a, a macro perspective and a micro perspective. First, the macro is present in the story. The religious, religious leaders are at odds with Jesus. When we don't see him properly, we are at odds with him. Who wants to sign up for this. Let's be at odds with Jesus. Who wants to sign up for that? Like people are chuckling. That's just dumb. It doesn't make any sense. But when we don't see him, when we don't give ourselves him, when we don't believe, we are at odds with him. And as a result, the kingdom of God that Jesus intends to inject in us, the Messiahship, the Christness, all those things don't inject themselves into us. The micro of this hits a little bit closer to home. There are areas of our life where Jesus is not the Christ. I want to 
I'm going to pick on us a little bit. And when I say us, I'm included in that. There are areas of our lives where we don't believe that Jesus is the Christ. To believe that Jesus is the Christ means that he's going to give you hope and mercy and purpose and life in everything that you do. And we can see that from a big picture standpoint. If we were to, to, to take a test, we could see where Jesus is, in fact, the Christ of our lives. But there are areas of our lives where he is not. Men, let me talk to you a minute. Lust is a very big thing in our lives. When we engage the lust that's in us, when we engage pornography, when we engage adultery, when we engage lust, what we are saying is, Jesus, you are the Christ in every aspect of my life except sex. I am the Christ there. I can provide for myself the best life, the best hope, the best peace, the best joy. In our lives, that's true everywhere. There are areas of your life, and and I've prayed this week that everybody that comes and sits and listens to this message would find an area of their life where Jesus is not the Christ, but instead they are their Christ. Let me, give you, let me give you a piece of advice. You make a terrible Messiah. You will fail and you will bring yourself misery. When you try to provide your own hope, when you try to provide your own ultimate satisfaction, you will fail. So we, we have to come to grips with this idea and, and press it down into every aspect of our lives. This, there's a little rubber glove up here for a purpose. No one was cleaning the stage and left us up there accidentally. Um, this rubber glove, typically at our house, this sits like on the, the edge of the counter, like, like it's sitting here. This is, this is the counter, and this is into the sink, right? You know why that is? Because if it were the other way around, water's going to get into here, and you guys know how hard it is to get like water out of the fingertip of a glove, Right? So, so we've, the only way to do that, like you ever dig in there and it's just wet and nasty and like greasy and grimy. And one of the, one of the things that I get into the, in the most trouble about at home is when I knock the glove into the sink and the, the sink water makes its way down into the rubber glove, right? And so the only way to get the, the water out is, and I don't know what's going to be in here. Chances are, oh, there we go, there's some water. Uh, the only way to get the water out of this is to turn it inside out. Yeah, I do know what's in here. It's, it's clean water from back there, so don't be grossed out. Everybody's like, is there going to be like food chunks come out of there? I was taking a little pastoral license there. Uh, so the only way to get this, to truly dry this thing out, and Jen, I'm sorry, your gloves are going to be wet now, um, is to, to turn this thing inside out. And it's, it's difficult, Right? I've been talking now for, you know, a minute or so about how hard it is, and I've gotten one finger loose. Okay? So we keep working at this thing, and my fingers are now wet, and if this, these were like food chunks and food particles, they'd be nasty and gross. All right, there we go. There's number two. And there's still like three left, right? So it's hard. But the, the, the illustration is it's hard, and it's messy, And it's not easy, and it's difficult. But there are places, there are corners of our life where we don't believe the gospel. We don't believe that Jesus is, in fact, the Christ. Unless we get in there and get messy and willing to turn things inside out 
and work at it and expose ourselves for the sin that's present in our lives, it's going gonna, it's gonna to still be wet. We're going to still think that we're Messiah, we're the Christ, we're in there. We've got something that we can provide our own satisfaction with. But I promise you, if I leave this glove on that stage the way it is, and, and it's gonna, we're going to come back next week, and it's going to be wet and nasty, and mold's going to be growing. Like, let that just sit with you a little bit. Jesus has come to be the Christ in every aspect of your life. And that cannot look like you just being this glove, laying there on the, on the counter. It's, you've got to be active, participating in that. You, it will be nasty, and it will be gross. And you've got to expose yourself. Turn yourself inside out. Give, give it work. Work at it. It's hard. But the end of it, as Christ has promised at the beginning of John chapter 2, is I have come to give you life and life more abundant. Do you want that, really? Or do you want that just kind of superficially? Because typically, if you're like me, you want to act like you want that, and you want that a little bit, but when, when it gets hard, and when there's a lot of grease and grime, you'd rather not deal with it. And so we're just going to keep it on the, on the, do my best that you don't see it, that I'm the only one that sees it. But we're, we, we settle for something less than God. We wind up like these religious leaders outside of what God intends for us. Those who do not believe are left on the outside. And again, belief is not a noun, it's a verb. It takes action, it takes work, it takes effort. But the result is the gospel is pressed into the depth of our lives. So the idea here is to speak to you, Jesus is better. It's something that has been in my mind for a while. I've, I've asked God when I'm faced with temptation, when I'm faced with hardship and difficulty, when I'm faced with the opportunity to lust, that Jesus would bring into my mind, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. And whatever it is for you, lying, gossip, laziness, self-centeredness, whatever it is, that somehow the Spirit of God would speak to you, Jesus is better. Mark chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. Cooper, fire that slide up there, buddy. This is a, a great thing to pray. And Jesus, this is a guy who wants his son to be healed, and he comes to Jesus and Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes, pistueo. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. That's like contradictory, right? I believe, but help my unbelief. No, it's not. That's exactly where you are and where I am. That's exactly the glove illustration. I believe you, Jesus, but help my unbelief. This is my prayer. This is, ought to be our prayer. This is Jesus is better. I believe God, but help the places in my life where I haven't pulled that glove inside out yet. Help my unbelief. You've got them and I do too. 
And the point of us gathering together as a body of believers is that we might help one another and have people help us to turn our gloves inside out and let the gospel get down into the the deepest places of our soul because we are terrible, terrible messiahs. The second implication of the story is those who believe are held in the firm and unshakable grip of Jesus. Those who believe are held in the firm and unshakable grip of Jesus. When I think of this verse, I've read this many times, I think of my, my grandfather. Christmas and Easter, my, my family would always go to his house, and there were, I had five or six cousins, and we would all, all boys, all boy cousins, and we would just be crazy and wild. My grandpa would get a little tired of us being crazy. And so he would be sitting in his chair. He sat in his chair all the time, this one particular chair. And if we weren't paying attention and got too close to that chair, he would grab us. Like we're being crazy, he would just grab us. And he'd grab us right there by, that, by our wrist. And he would hold us. And once he got a hold of us, you were done. My grandpa was like, he was an Air Force pilot, really big, strong, worked with his hands, woodworking guy. This is really you can really tell like it, right? Apple didn't fall far from that tree. <laughs> Big dude and worked with his hands and, he, and his hands were so strong, his forearms were so strong and he would just, and it would, like you, you knew you were done. And the thing about my grandpa was that you think, yeah, he holds you for a couple of minutes. No, it was like two and a half hours, like holding you, like wouldn't let you go. And you'd be like, the rest of the cousins are, are being crazy and I'm stuck like this. Watching some boring show on TV that he was watching. And so that like, and, but the lesson is that he was, there was nothing that I could do to get out of his grip. For those that believe there's nothing that you can do to get out of the, the grip of Christ. So wherever you find yourself, if your glove is completely not inside out, Belief in Christ, You're, you can't get out of it. There's nothing stronger, more powerful than God. For my little eight-year-old brain, there was nothing more powerful than my grandfather. And that, that picture continues to, to show me Christ. There's nothing more powerful than God, and he holds you firmly in his grip. Third thing, those who believe, those who do not believe, are left to themselves and their own merit. Again, you and I make terrible messiahs. But the outworking of this, especially for a church like us, is a really dangerous and slippery slope. This is where we really need to get preached to. I really need to get preached to. And and chances are, if you've chosen this as your church, you really need to get preached to. Those who do not believe are, are left to their own merit. Okay, I do believe, so I'm not left to my own merit. So that means I can do whatever the heck I want. Wrong. It's not true. God is calling us to a life of holiness. God is calling us to a life of Christ likeness. The slippery slope is that when we believe, when we have this firm grip of what grace is, without true understanding of what belief is, that impelled law of soul that drives us towards Christ. 
when we believe grace without believing pistueo Christ, we wind up we wind up with a get out of jail free card. We wind up as a spoiled rich kid who does whatever he wants and knows that if he gets caught, he's not going to spend the night in jail because his dad is who his dad is, so we, he can do whatever he wants. We become spoiled rich kids, and we're not. To truly believe is to have a law of soul that impels us, the opposite of restrains us, to run towards Jesus. And if you don't find yourself there, you better go get in a relationship with somebody and talk and figure out what's going on. Because here's, here's the biggest deal. I heard a guy say one time, probably the, the biggest role of a pastor today is not to get people saved, but to get people lost so that they can be saved. You follow that? That's, that's, that's tricky, right? We live in a middle-class society where we are inoculated to Jesus. We get a little bit of Jesus, and so then we don't get all of Jesus so that we can fight him off when he tries to press into the depth of who we are. But to understand grace fully is to believe in it in such a way that it changes who we are. Remember, the point of John is that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, and by believing, we might have life. And that's an active verb word. The noun for belief, noun for faith, doesn't appear in John. The verb does. If we are putting our grace card in our pocket and then just going and doing, you, you don't understand. And if you don't understand, you could be in deep trouble. The last one for us appears. Jesus is God, and he wants to give you life, and that life is found by believing in him as Messiah. It's so, so simple. Jesus is God, and he wants to give you life, and that life is found by believing in him as Messiah. John chapter 10, earlier, he's saying, I am the good shepherd, and I've come to give you life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and give you life more abundantly. Do you want to be rich in peace, in hope, love, and mercy? Do you, do you want that? Probably, right? And Jesus wants to give it to you. And the path to receive it is belief. And our job in the middle of that is to ready the soil. That's it. And then Christ comes and does all the work and changes us. Do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah? Not the Messiah to just give you a ticket to heaven, but the Messiah to change your circumstances and your response to those circumstances. Do you believe that in such a way that it changes how you act? This is what Christ is, this is what John is calling us to. 
Jesus is the Messiah. And when we see him as such, the result is life. And when we say life, we don't mean you get to continue to breathe. We mean that joy is richer, that peace is deeper, that hope is more profound, tangible. This is what Jesus intends for you to live in. This is what it means to see Jesus as the Messiah. This is the offer that he makes to you. Believe in me. Trust in me. Surrender to me. Bet your life on me. This is Jesus. This is the invitation. Let's pray. God, you are beautiful. God, change us, please. Change me. Help us to see that life in you is better. And God, may our purpose, may our hope, may our lives grow from that foundation. God, we believe you. Help our unbelief. Thank you for Jesus who brings us hope eternal. It's in his perfect name that I pray. Amen.